0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I just want to read one verse, and let me just say before I do that I need to take it out of its, its context, its setting. Uh, and Because of uh, children, the congregation tonight, uh, I'll not tell you what the setting is. You can read it for yourself, the whole uh, chapter, and you'll soon find out. But anyway, in verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, "'For I wish that all men were even as I myself.'" But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. For I wish that all men were even as myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Have you ever considered just how invaluable, how important, how necessary that you are to somebody else? Have you ever thought of that? Somebody needs your love, your wisdom, your kindness, your thoughtfulness, your skills, your experience. Somebody needs you to have faith in them or to put your trust in them. Somebody needs you. And the abilities and the gifting and the talents that God has placed within you. You can be a Ruth to some Naomi. Someone who would be loving and caring and friendly and thoughtful and helpful. You can be an Aaron and a her to some Moses. Do you remember how that whenever Joshua was fighting the Amalek in the valley? How that Moses and Joshua, Moses and Aaron and Her went up into the mountain. And how that whenever Moses held out the rod of God, uh, the battle went in favor of Joshua. But then when he got tired and he got weary and it dropped, the battle went in favor of Amalek. So he sat on a stone, and Aaron and Hur got on both sides of him, and they held up his arms. And you can be one that holds up the arms of somebody in prayer or some way to assist them when they're tired and they're weary. You know, lots of people, when they go into hospital, they tell me, because I visit hospitals a lot, they say, Pastor, since I come in here, I really have struggled to read anything, and I've really even struggled to pray. I just feel so ill. I just can't seem to do it. And I always say to them, well that's okay because there's people praying for you. There's other ones holding your arms up at this time. You'll come through this period but at the moment don't worry about it because others will lift you up before God. So we can do that, can't we? You can be a Jonathan to some David. Somebody that, will, somebody that you can honor and respect and show loyalty to You can be a Barnabas to some Saul, a consoler, the son of consolation, a reconciler. You know, Barnabas had a very important role to play uh, whenever Saul of Tarsus became a believer because actually the church didn't want to believe it. They were frightened of this man. Remember, this is the man who was killing Christians and putting them in prison. And so when he gave testimony at the start They were thinking he's just doing this to get in on us and spy on us. But Barnabas believed his sincerity. Barnabas listened to his testimony and he felt this man is genuine. He's the real deal. And it was through Barnabas that the church then began, the hierarchy of the church began to believe in Saul of Tarsus, that he was genuinely, totally saved. And the rest, of course, is history. But Barnabas was quite willing to play second fiddle to Paul when he traveled with him. Paul got the limelight, and Barnabas didn't mind that. And you can be somebody that too, somebody who believes in somebody else, somebody who maybe brings somebody in from the cold, as it were. You can be an Onesiphorus to some Paul. Onesiphorus was a a precious saint, Uh, He was an Ephesian, and he was a a man that was, that Paul says, he oft refreshed me. That's a lovely term. He often refreshed me. You know, and he stood with the apostle Paul. You know, Paul at times was very, very unpopular. And there was times he was imprisoned, and times he was almost stoned to death, and times he was ridiculed, and, 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 and people left him. You know, people backed away. They didn't want the controversy. But only Cephas was one who wasn't like that. He says, he oft refreshed me in my bonds or in my chains. When others left him, he stayed. When others walked away, he still believed. And so you can be a person like that to somebody. What gift do you possess that can enrich the life of somebody else? Perhaps you're a good singer or a good musician or maybe a great communicator or even an organizer. Thank God for the musicians and the singers and the communicators and the organizers we got in here. Because all these things that we do over this, you saw over this past couple of weeks, all of that happened because each and every one of them used the gifts and abilities that they had And collectively, you know, we could not do church. In fact, no church could do church if it wasn't for the collective gifts and talents and abilities within a congregation, and they use them for the glory of God. No one man can do it. Not even two or three people. There's got to be a collective use of all of those wonderful gifts. Maybe you're a practical person. Maybe you're good at fixing things or building things. I'm good at taking things apart. I'm not very good at putting things together, as my wife has found out after over 40 years of marriage. I like taking things apart, don't you know? just like to see the guts of them and see how, what, what's in there, but don't ask me to put it together again. One time, my wife came home and I had the smoothing iron out on the table, and it was all bits and pieces all set out. And she was amazed she looked at it oh she thought this is wonderful he's going to fix this so she says that's wonderful David Uh, are you going to fix it I says no no I'm just looking at it (laughs) just (laughs) it's amazing all the parts that's in this and then I proceeded to put it in the bin afterwards (laughs) I couldn't put it together I used to have a wee motorbike and I mean it was a wee one it was one of those hair dryers and two wheels you know one of those In fact, these guys with bikes wouldn't even call it a motorbike. But it gave me trouble one time, and I stripped it down in the garage, and there were springs springing out of it, hitting the ceiling all over the place. Again, Sally thought, he must know what he's doing. (laughs) I haven't got a clue. I just took it apart. Say, what did you do with that? Well, I put it all in the box, and I sold the whole lot to somebody for a fiver. (laughs) I didn't tell him there was I wasn't saving I didn't tell him <laughs> that we had that wee bit in there. <laughs> I didn't tell him that there were springs missing. <laughs> I don't know if he ever got it together again, but I got my fire anyway. Maybe you're artistic. Or maybe you're creative. I think of Kathy over there. Is there anybody more creative than Kathy? I mean, just let her loose. And we've seen it here over the years, haven't we? And she's a hard taskmaster and I know that she'll tell you that. But just let her loose, and suddenly those creative juices begin to flow, and all kinds of things begin to happen. So there are endless possibilities and potentialities in all of our lives for good if we use it. God has given you a gift. Maybe you haven't even recognized that yet. Maybe you haven't even given it any serious thought. Maybe you're looking for something spectacular instead of something very simple. Not everybody is going to do the spectacular. Not everybody's going to do in front of the scenes. Most people will do behind the scenes. But every little part will count. Maybe... And I have to say this, maybe you're so uninvolved with the body of Christ that your gift has no opportunity to even work or to be used. Or maybe you still haven't recognized you've got a gift, even though you're using it, but you don't even recognize it as a gift or a talent. You just say, well, that's just me. It's just the way I am. Well, sometimes we have to consider these things and then see how can I use this for God and for his kingdom. James 1:17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Can you dare to believe that the God, the Father of lights has put within every one of us a gift, a talent, an ability. I believe that he has. John Calvin said that our ordinary human abilities, common grace, he called it, leaving aside the spiritual gifts, we'll in a moment, but leaving that aside, surely there's something that you can do that could be used for the kingdom of God. God can take your normal, everyday ability and use it for his kingdom. In the New Testament, there's three places where gifts are mentioned. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 9 to 13, talks about the five Christ ascension gifts. When he ascended, he gave gifts unto the church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Then in Romans 8, sorry, Romans 12, 3 to 8, we have seven spiritual and practical gifts. They're all listed there. You can read them. So there's at least 21 gifts that are resident within the body of Christ and are resident within this body. Surely out of 21, surely we can have one of them. Surely. Can somebody say amen to that? Plus, of course, all of those natural abilities that everybody's got. But you are responsible for the talents and the gifts that are within you. You're responsible. In Matthew 25... the parable of the talents, the talents here, of course, was money, but the principle is the same, (laughs) using what God has given. Verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability— you should underline that in your Bible. Each according to his own ability. God gives to us each according to our own ability. Some will be more able than others. For some, much more will be required than others. But whatever God gives you, it'll be according to your ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he had received one talent, came and said, Lord... "'I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown "'and gathering where you have not scattered seed. "'And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. "'Look, there you have what is yours.'" Well, he was a chancer, this boy, wasn't he? He was chancing his arm. "'But his Lord answered and said to him, "'You wicked and lazy servant, "'you knew that I reap where I have not sown "'and gathered where I have not scattered seed?' So you ought then to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my common I would have received back my own at least with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing. Of teeth, we are responsible for the gifts and the talents that has been given to us. Paul writes to Timothy, who was a young pastor. You don't need to turn to this. First Timothy four fourteen, do not neglect the gift that is within you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership now here's a young pastor who needed encouragement he he had quite a a task Uh, running any church is a task and this is the early church all kinds of stuff was happening within the early church so you needed to be brave you needed to be courageous you needed to know your calling in God and so Paul is reminding him do not neglect the gift that is within you God has put something in you. Whenever we prayed for you and the elders gathered round, something happened. Something was imparted to you. Do not neglect it. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Again, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So it seemed like that this young pastor had got a little bit of a problem. He wasn't exercising uh, the gift, the talent, the ability to the degree that he should have been that was put within him. So Paul is just reminding him to stir it up. An old friend of ours who used to come here years ago, Alex Gofield, called it the ministry of the poker. Stirring up the fire, isn't it? How many of us know that as you go on in your Christian experience, there is a discipline in your daily life to stir things up. Because your flesh will not want to do it. Your flesh will be lazy and tired and want to lie down, and it can't be bothered. You've got to stir yourself up. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me end it a secret here. Those of you who are preachers in here know this. Every single week you've got to preach, you have got to stir yourself You've got to stir yourself. Now, there's some weeks it's easy. There's some weeks it comes flowing. There's some weeks it's just there. There's some weeks you're full of inspiration. But there's some times, and you're not. And the week goes on, and Sunday's coming quick. And you've got to stir yourself. You have to do it. You have to discipline yourself. You have to take time to do it. Edward Everett Hale said, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can still do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. (laughs) And in other words, there is no excuse. Now, you may be sitting tonight and say, Well, that's okay for you saying that. You know what your calling is. You know what you have to do. You get on with it. But what about me? What about me? There's a lady sitting down the back. She'll not mind me saying this. Well, maybe she will because she's quite shy. Elizabeth. Elizabeth's come here for many years, hasn't she? And uh, but what you probably don't know about Elizabeth is Elizabeth is a prayer warrior. Elizabeth prays for people every single day. Let me tell you a story. Two weeks ago, I buried a little lady. She didn't know I buried her. I didn't know that she knew her. And it's only because she saw my name on the little, you know, the little funeral thing. What do you call that? Order service. Order service. Thanks, Darren. She saw my name on that. And then she told me last Sunday, she says, you know, I prayed for that woman every day for all of these years. Isn't that wonderful? And she didn't know that she'd come to the Lord, that she'd get saved, that she'd gone on the Lord, she didn't even know she was died, and didn't know that I was the one who'd been visiting her this past eighteen months. And I didn't know that she had been praying for her all that time. You see. So you'll never see Elizabeth up here, she'll won't be leading worship, she'll not be singing, she'll not be doing drama, she'll not be doing any of those things. But she's gonna be doing what she can do. She's gonna be praying behind the scenes. And she has lots of people on her list, and she goes through them every day. Do you know that after she goes home to service tonight, that she'll have a prayer meeting with a prayer partner after the service every Sunday night? You didn't know that, she didn't. Your estimation of Elizabeth has just risen, hasn't it? <laughs> 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 I always had a high estimation, but she's very shy. she'll not tell you that, but that's, that's the way she is. So it's not wonderful. Somebody says there's three types of missionaries. There's the feet missionary. They go. There's the hand missionary. They give. And then there's the knee missionary. They pray. So if you can't go and even if you can't give, you can pray. There's something that we can do, isn't there? Always something we can do. Your gift can make you succeed. Proverbs 17 and 8. A gift is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Washington Carver was a black man. And one day he was praying and he says, Lord... show me the secret of the universe. <laughs> That's a big prayer, isn't it? And in fact, the Lord told him that his brain was too tiny to understand the secrets of the universe, but he says, I'll show you the secret of a peanut. And Washington Carver began to think about peanuts. And the more he thought about them, and the more he investigated them, and the more he looked into them, the more he discovered how useful and beneficial the humble peanut was. And by the time he had finished, the peanut was no longer just a humble peanut. It became a staple. And so many things come out of peanut and peanut oil and so forth. Dozens and dozens and dozens of things come out of it. And he became famous in America because of the peanut. A man's gift will make room for himself. God has put within you gifts, talents, abilities, skills to enable you to succeed in this life. What are you good at? What do you love to do? What is your passion? What is it you spend your time, your money, and your energies on? That may be a good indicator of what your gift is. A few weeks ago, uh, last week it was, in fact, that uh, Rachel Lappin, who normally plays her drums, Rachel's out there in Madagascar on a mission field. And she writes blogs, those of you who read her blogs. you remember whenever she landed, she got into a little light aircraft that had to take her to the hospital in the north of Madagascar? And that light aircraft was run by MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship. Mission Aviation Fellowship is a great missionary organization that's all over the world. But do you know how it started? It started by a New Zealander who, right almost at the end of the Second World War, he was a pilot, and he flew for the RAF, was married and lived in England. And the many times he would fly across the Atlantic, or up and down the Atlantic, rather than across it, but up and down the Atlantic, he had lots of time in his hands, a lot of time to think. And he began to think, you know, these planes are used in war, they're used for destruction, they're used for death and for killing. What if we could use these planes to bring life to people? What if we could use these planes to carry the gospel Inaccessible places. What if he could use these planes for a missionary endeavor? And this New Zealander, Murray Ked, Kedron, or Kedron. Can't quite get his second name right there. But he and two others, an Australian and American, they got together and he thought, this is an idea. So they began to pursue it. They contacted a lot of big high-powered businessmen, people like John Lang, the big builder, many years ago. And, in a process of time, they got an airplane. So they were off and running. The only trouble was, in their first journey, it crashed into a mountain. Fortunately, they stepped out of it alive. But not to be dissuaded, even though it's going to take longer to get it going now, they kept at it, and at it, and at it. And today, after 70 years, MAF has pilots and aircraft flying all over the world. They make at least 200,000 flights every year. Four continents, 55 countries, 130 aircraft. All those pilots, believers, using their God-given talent for the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And so he was just an ordinary man. He was a pilot in the war. And he thought, how can I use this for the kingdom of God? And the rest is history. And it's still being used today all over the world. Many, many people could not be at their mission stations if it wasn't for MAF because they fly into the most inaccessible places and jungles and mountain areas and they take missionaries in, they take educational stuff in, they take food in, they take medicine in. <laughs> they fly. F- There's Maude Kells, one of our most famous missionaries in this country. Remember the lady who was shot uh, in, the, in the Congo there just recently? That was MAF who flew her to the hospital. If I hadn't been for MAF, she maybe would have died there. She needed really to get to the hospital, but they brought her in. What used to maybe take ten days' journey? Now it takes just a couple of hours in a little airplane. Your gift can make you succeed. But better still, your gift can help others succeed. Mm. Second Timothy 2, 2. Paul says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. It's good to be able to pass on to others what you know, what you have learned, what has worked. If you can pass that on to others, that's even better. Because that means that gift, whatever it may be, will continue even into another generation. Paul helped Timothy and Titus and Nisimus. Jethro helped Moses, gave him wise counsel. Now, of course, you want to be able, or you you want to have the passion to pass that on. You want to hold it all to yourself. You want to be able to pass that on and give others opportunity. I stand here tonight before you because somebody gave me opportunity. Didn't happen overnight. I was wet behind the ears. When I think of my first sermons, I cringe. And I mean that. But somebody was patient. Somebody saw something in me that I didn't see in me and was patient and gave me opportunity. And after several years, I came into ministry. Why do you think that the Jasons and the Martins and the Tonys, why do you think they get opportunity? Because it needs to be passed on. Mahalia Jackson, who was that old black gospel singer of old, here was one of her songs. Gary was singing it the other night in jest. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody how they're traveling wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. Remember the chorus? Then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. If I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a good man ought, if I can bring back beauty to a world up if I can spread love's message as the master taught, then my living shall not be in vain. See, you can help somebody or you can inspire somebody and you can challenge somebody. And at the end of it, somebody will say, Thank God for so and so. Someday, someday, now, you as young ones, you see, you get to a certain age, you begin to think of these things. Someday, someday, when you're no longer here, somebody will look back and thank God for you that your paths crossed because you gave them something. You inspired them. You encouraged them. You challenged them. And now they're moving on too. Your gift finally has the ability to reproduce itself like a seed. Now, I'm not talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit when I say that because... The Bible says about the nine gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit divides them severally as He wills. So He can't pick and choose when it comes to that. But have you ever noticed when it comes to talent, have you ever noticed how often it seems to run in families? Uh, Let me give you a practical example here tonight. There's Phania and her sister Rosine. Her dad sung around the churches for years, didn't he? He was well known for singing around, particularly Baptist churches. So, what happens after years of hearing him in the home and as wee girls going out with their with dad to the churches to hear him singing, what happens? They're singing. And lo and behold, their two daughters, growing up with them singing at home and practicing for church, What's happening now? They're standing up here and they're singing too. And very often that's the way it works, particularly when it comes to music or comes to singing. If it's in the house, oftentimes the children will pick up from the parents. There's Johnny, Johnny Northey, that is. There's Johnny Brady over there, but Johnny Northey. How <laughs> <that> many Johnny's? <laughs> Johnny, I'll fix anything for you. In fact, he will take it as a personal challenge to fix that. All of this work you see that we did last summer, that was him organize all of that, put that. In fact, he gave the architect ideas, and I'm not kidding you when I say that. The architect was going to do something, Johnny says, no, 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 that wouldn't work in the church. No, we'll do it this way. And the architect says, do you know what? That works better. <laughs> I know why he's like that. Because when he was a wee boy, his dad did things around the house. So he copied him. Maybe Jackson will be like his dad. Eh? Maybe Jackson will be like, a, like Johnny. That'll be handy. Tessa wanted to get things fixed in the house. But often, not always, of course, but often that's the way that it works. And often, spiritually, that can be the way that it works, too. Not always, but often, in a home where mom and dad are involved in church life, like myself as a pastor, preacher, often, and we've only got one daughter, she's a missionary. She was brought up in that. She resisted it for a while, but she came back, and now she's off and running for this past 16, 17 years in the Philippines. So, in a sense, Your gift is like a seed that can reproduce itself in your family, in with your children. And you see them growing up and you see the wee signs of it, don't you? Some of you as parents, whatever job you have, you're hoping and praying, I hope my son, I hope my daughter doesn't follow me. (laughs) It's too much pressure if you're a social worker or a doctor or in the police or whatever. But you hear what I'm saying? Now, listen to this. Again, Paul writes to Timothy. Second Timothy 1 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, note this which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Ah. Lois was a woman of faith. And it must have been a faith that was practical that people could see. And her daughter Eunice saw it, and she picked up on that, and it inspired her and challenged her, and she became a woman of faith. And lo and behold, now here's young Pastor Timothy. Timothy. And Paul says, I'm persuaded that that is in you too. That has come down through that generation. There's three generations. And so there are some spiritual traits that can come down through the generations if they see it and they live with it. For those of you who have kids who's drifted and who's gone back, do not give up on them. Don't give up on them. You put something into them. They may resist it. They may reject it now, but keep praying. Don't give up on them. Listen to what else Paul says to Timothy. 1 Timothy 3 14, 15. But you must continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. From childhood you have known the Scriptures. When you put your wee son or your wee daughter to bed, make sure you pray with them, read a wee Scripture, or read a psalm. They may not fully understand it, but it's getting in. And there'll come a point when they'll ask you, what does that mean? And then you'll have a wonderful opportunity to share the scriptures with your children. When I used to put Claire to bed when she was a wee girl, I used to sing the Psalms to her. We picked the psalm and then we would sing it. And that was a way of getting the word in. So what is your gift? I'm talking about genuine gift. Because sometimes we think we have a gift, we think it's a God-given gift, and it isn't. And everybody else knows it isn't. But we think it is because it's something we want to do. So we mustn't make that mistake. If it is a God-given gift, God will make room for it. You can be sure of that. And it'll be such a blessing to others, amen? So what is your gift tonight? What has God blessed you with? Or even what natural talent have you got that apart from helping you to look after your family and run your business or your home, but it can be a blessing to the kingdom. Hmm? Because I firmly believe that your natural abilities, that God can sanctify them and bless the kingdom with them. Amen? Think about it tonight. Let's pray. Lord, even tonight, if we're just the one talent person, if that's all we have, that's all we need. If that's all you have deposited, that's all we need, and it's all you will require. So we give you thanks, Lord, that you have placed in each of us abilities. We thank you, Lord, that there's spiritual abilities you've given us. You've enriched our lives through them, and you've enriched the lives of others through them. So we give you thanks for that. Help us, Lord, to use what you have put in us to touch the lives of others. May we be a blessing to others. May we not just bless ourselves, but be a blessing to others around us. And, Lord, when we do that, May we be careful that you get the glory. May we be careful, Lord, that people look at us and see something of the goodness of God in us. So we give you thanks, first of all, for the gift of life, for so great salvation that you've imparted. And we give you thanks for every blessing, every good gift from the Father of lights. We bless you and thank you for it tonight in Jesus' precious name Amen. Amen Thank you for listening to this podcast You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information visit us at www.mpc.org.uk